Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. To me, balance is very fleeting. It always feels like playing a game of Minesweeper. Do you know? Like you feel like you're smiling and then boom, that's a landmine. Everybody else was calling someone. I didn't know whom to call. I wanted to call my parents, but they were probably sleeping back in Nepal, and I didn't want to stress them out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Laura Wexler. And I'm Jessica Hinken. This week on the podcast, For My Sister, two stories of women living life to the fullest in honor of siblings who cannot. So this first storyteller, uh, both these women actually shared this at the um, Johns Hopkins Carry Women in Business annual event that we do with them. We love partnering with Hopkins, and um, this is a, a way to really dive deep into the women that are pursuing business degrees and uh, wanting to be entrepreneurs, but on the next level. So. Dolly Machira was our first uh, storyteller for this event, and I had to really strongly encourage her. In fact, many people <laughs> had to really strongly encourage her to share a story that she, one, felt like was going to reveal too vulnerable a side to her. She really wanted to be like steely businesswoman, and that's how she had presented up to this point. And two, that she felt like had not yet been resolved. So take a listen. So I'm going to start off by asking a question, a hypothetical question. How do you share a story when you're still going through the reality of the anguish in your life? My gut says you do not. But I'm going to give it a try. So the dear human and friend who nudged me and begged me to share the story is someone who's had the privilege of getting to know me over the past one year. Little snippets. Once in a while, I just open up and then close back down. But she got to know me over here, and now today I need to share something very personal in a space of seven minutes. So I'm going to give it a try. My name is Dolly. I'm a daughter, a firstborn in that case, which comes with its own responsibilities if you're African. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I have to add that part. Um, I'm a dual degree student, and I'm also a part-time employee. But the most important part is I'm a financial caregiver to my little sister. So to me, balance is very fleeting. It always feels like playing a game of minesweeper. Do you know? Like you feel like you're smiling and then boom, that's a landmine. <laughs> so that has been my experience with balance. Just when I feel like I've caught it, I have it in grasp, something just explodes. When I got my first job at McKinsey back in Nairobi office in Kenya, I was so excited. I was just like, yeah, fresh from undergrad, got the job that everyone wanted. So I've made it. But 10 days later, I received the worst phone call of my life. My sister was in an accident that left her paralyzed. And so that meant I was going to be a caregiver. She was going to be a wheelchair user after that experience. So we go on on the journey. When I thought I could count on love, the 11-month streak caved to the caregiver burnout and compassion fatigue because I couldn't take it, taking care of two people, loving one and taking care of my sister. 
Then when I thought I figured this caregiving thing out, I'm now strong, you know, we've got this. The hospital runs begin. The caregiver that I had hired disappears on me one morning and I can't check into work. So everything just kept, you know, figuring it out and explosions happen. And then when I thought my sister has finally gotten out of the closet and she can now come out and interact with people, things just happened and I had to take care of her emotionally. And so what got me through that whole period was therapy. But then as every human goes, you get tired of all the caring. It's really, really draining and exhausting. And so came the break, and the break to me came in the form of MPHMBA. <laughs> so Dolly got on that flight, 24-hour ride, all the way to America. And I was like, yay, America is going to be great. I'm going to make friends. I'm not going to tell people my caregiver so that I figure out my own balance. But then I get here, and I'm going to tell you a story of 8th December 2021. I coiled myself into a ball in room 534. That was the lowest moment of my life in grad school. I was by myself. I really wished for someone that loves me to hold me. And there was no one there. I was all alone in that room. Sad and taken away by all the sad emotions. So I had a bad living or housemate situation and it was really, really draining. I had lost my passport and I was stuck in America, and I really needed to go home and replenish. I was receiving daily calls somehow during my microcon class. I don't know why it happened. The things were not going well at home, and they needed me, and it was really draining. And on this particular day, the call I received was that, Dolly, the caregiver has run out once again, and we don't know what to do. What really filled me in that moment was helplessness. I'm here. With no passport, I really want my sister to hug me. I want my dad to be here. I want people I know to be around me and hug me. And no one was there. And it was really sad. It was the saddest moment of my life. And I think the lowest grade I've ever gotten since I came to grad school. But I think what got me through was the gentleman that sent me the number for JSAP. I called and just cried to a stranger. I said nothing. I just called Jace up. And when someone picked, I just felt held. And I just cried. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> and said nothing. I'm grateful for the now happy living situation that I have. Someone that gives me peace of mind. Where I lock my room for privacy and not because I'm scared something might happen to me in the night. I'm so grateful for the people that tell me they love me and that they care for me because I need it when I'm so far away from home. I'm so grateful for the friend that pushed me to also share this story. So for me, balance has come in those moments where I felt held, I felt safe, for the hugs that I've received, for the moments that I didn't feel judged. Balance has been fleeting, but for me, balance has also come in the moments of presence being fully present in class, being fully present in my home, being fully present here as well. And balance has come in all the silence I hear right now, <laughs> where I feel also held and safe. 
but most importantly, balance has also come in my family. When I went home, I think things were figured out in that 8th December. I cried, cried then. Of course, got, of the, got out of the crying zone. I have an unhealthy behavior where if I'm crying, I cry, cry, and then I'm just like, okay, we'll come again, pack that crying, we'll cry later. <laughs> now let's get things done. So go to the embassy, get your visa, get your whatever needs to be done, go home and hug someone. So I'm grateful that I also got to go home. I got a family that helped me, went to the embassy, got emergency travel documents, and on 29th December, I had landed home. And the first thing I did is just went home and hugged my family. Got recharged. I'm grateful that I got the recharge enough to come back uh, to another full year of school in 2022. So I'm super, super grateful for my family. I won't get the chance to go home and be with them after grad school because, yeah, I did sign an offer to stay here a little longer. But I'm super, super grateful that I have found a community of friends. I have found my MBA tribe. And I found people that will continue to hold me even while I'm away from home. And I know I'll find the space to also travel home. Thank you for listening. You know, listening to the story, I'm struck by so many things. One, what you said of like, I I am like, I want to be strong. I don't want to reveal anything too private um, or be vulnerable. And I think that's so understandable, right? She's here in a foreign country. She's meeting people for the first time. She's here on a mission to get her education. And um, just that idea that you could open up a little bit and then close right back down, open up. And I, I really, I actually really relate to that and understand. But the other thing, I just really felt strongly like the challenge of being really far from home and um, being in a being so far from home where you can't do anything, but yet you can still you still know everything that's happening and what an uncomfortable place that is to be. It's one thing not to know anything that's going on, but given how easy it is to text call all that jazz, right? You can know everything, but that doesn't mean you can do anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's going to be um, yeah evident in the second story that we have. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break back in just a minute. Support for WYPR's podcasts comes from Catholic Charities. Celebrating its centennial in 2023, Catholic Charities is the largest private provider of social services in Maryland. Learn more about this movement to change lives at cc-md.org. So next storyteller, Trishala Katri, also in the um, Masters of Business program at Cary School of Business. Her story is a journey from Nepal that brought her by way of Texas, ultimately to Baltimore. Take a listen. Thank you so much for the wonderful intro. I was not actually expecting to be talking in front of so many people, so I kind of feel nervous. So bear with me if I cry or anything. Um, so um, August 28, 20, uh, 2014. It was my first day of college at the University of Texas at Arlington. It was 7.30 a.m. and I was rushing from my apartment to go to the school. I was so excited that it's my first day. But I was also confused because my university was so huge and I had to find my classroom. I finally found my classroom. It was this big auditorium with 300 students. I thought it was a movie theater because we didn't have such big classrooms back in Nepal. 
I was standing there at the end of the um, classroom at the door, and I think I was a few minutes late. So with my nervous voice, I just stood there and asked the professor, may I come in, sir? I guess he didn't hear me. So I just shouted, may I come in, sir? At that point, the entire class just turned around and they started laughing at me. The professor also looked very surprised because someone was asking permission to enter the class. I entered the class with all these strange faces just staring at me and giggling. I couldn't understand what had just happened. In Nepal, whenever we enter or exit the classroom, we ask permission from the teacher. We asked permission to even uh, go to the restroom or even drink water. I did the same over here, but I was just laughed at. Not only my first class over here was unusual, the first few weeks were very difficult for me. I was a young 17-year-old girl who came all the way from Nepal all by herself, and I didn't have any family here. I was trying very hard to adjust to a new environment, to a new culture, to a hot weather in Texas, and I was having such a difficult time managing so many things. October 2nd, 2014. It has just been over a month that I started college. It was raining badly that day, and I was in my apartment just doing homeworks. Now, I lived in a very old apartment, so we didn't have any window in my bedroom. Suddenly, the lights went off, and it was pitch dark. I started hearing the noise of water dropping from somewhere. So I turned on my flashlight, and I started looking around the room. Then I see like there was water, water dropping from the ceiling fan. Moments later, the ceiling fan collapsed, and my entire apartment started flooding. There were university alarm um, with like blaring alarms with like emergency, and people outside my apartment were just shouting, "Rainstorm, thunderstorm, tornado! Just run, run!" I was never there in such a situation in Nepal. I just didn't know what to do. I was very scared, so I called my roommate to know where she was. She was in the university storm shelter, and she was at a safe place. So I went outside my apartment, and there were many police trucks, fire trucks, uh, ambulance, and even Red Cross over there. So I just stood there. The red lights of all the sirens were just flashing at my face, and I was standing on the, in, under the rain, feeling completely numb. Everybody else was calling someone. I didn't know whom to call. I wanted to call my parents, but they were probably sleeping back in Nepal, and I didn't want to stress them out. So I, that's the moment when I felt the loneliest. I just wanted to hug someone and cry really bad, but I was there standing by myself. I just wanted to go back home, meet my parents. Um, then I thought, why did I even come to U.S. where everybody doesn't like me, everybody laughs at me? Then I start, So I started like having all these thoughts. So let's rewind a bit. I was born and brought up in the most beautiful country, Nepal. The society there is highly patriarchal, and growing up, I never saw women leaders around me. In my family, most of the women are not highly educated, and my mom is the only one who has two master's degrees in sociology and psychology. <laughs> Girl education was a taboo in the society, and most of my aunts, they got married at a very young age, and they were, um, they, uh, they stayed at, they spend their lives as housewives. So today's theme, the act of balancing, I think my mom did it the best. She balanced her families, her kids, her household responsibilities, and also a career after marriage. I also have an elder sister, which she's an angel. Her name is Parinita. 
Whenever people ask me, hey, do you have siblings? I always try to dodge the questions because it's a very personal question to me. But today I want to share her story as well. So when she was born, um, the doctor, while giving uh, birth, he pressed our, one of the brain nerves very hard. So she had to spend um, six months in the ICU. She is not physically and mentally able as I am, but she is a true fighter. <sighs> My society never accepted her she, because she was different. I used to think that a girl with such, um, such condition, she was rejected by everyone. And I used to think, why? My parents are my real heroes. They always fought through all of that situation and never made us feel weak. I went to an all-girls school for 12 years, and I was the best at academics, extracurriculars, and I was also the captain of the school. But I was always overly protected from the outer world. I never had a guy friend until I came here. I was not allowed to go alone at night because it was considered unsafe. I never wore shorts, dresses, or tank tops because it was not appropriate for the society. Hugging male members, cousins, or even dad, that was very uncommon in our culture. But here, people hug everyone. It was good to see that. Menstruation is considered an impurity in my culture. When I, whenever I had my periods, I was not even allowed to enter the kitchen or have dinner with my family or even hug my dad. So I used to think often, why do women always have to make extra and bigger compromises? Why can't we get equal opportunities and equal freedom as men do? Why, do women, why are women expected to cook for the family, to wash the dishes, and take that extra road when men could also help them? When I came here, it was not so. Everybody helped. Even men cook, even men wash dishes. But I didn't see that in my country. So I had this motive of, you know, I wanted to see change. So I decided to pursue my career in the U.S. so that I could bring balance in the society. I really wanted to do something. So I wanted to come here and I wanted to challenge the status quo and become a woman leader. So all of that just flashed in my mind while I was standing there under the rain. And I thought, I can't quit right now. I had to get out of my comfort zone and be accustomed to the U.S. environment. I had to fight. So what did I do? I started building connections. I joined many student organizations. While I was in my undergrad, I, I was the president of the Nepalese Student Association, the general secretary of Beta Gamma Sigma Honor Society, the undergraduate head of Association of IT Professionals, a student ambassador, a dancer in Maverick Dance Company, an Indian dance crew, and so much more. Basically, I was into so many things. <laughs> so when it comes about um, balance, it was not just about managing classes. It was about managing those classes with on-campus job, with being actively involved in so many different organizations, getting good grades, also maintaining physical health, and also cooking food at home. I graduated with summa cum laude, highest honors um, from my undergrad. Thank you. <laughs> And I also received Student Employee of the Year for 2017 and 2018. For me, whenever I walked that tight rope of life, I was not just carrying my own weight. I was carrying the weight of my sister and the dreams of my parents. Recently, I got engaged. So now, I just don't have one family. I have two families to balance. <laughs> so I guess... 
I heard from a famous author that, you know, balancing is like juggling. We are juggling all these balls. Some balls are made of plastic and some balls are made of glass. If the plastic ball falls, it's going to bounce back. But if the glass ball falls, it's going to shatter and cannot be replaced. The key to balancing life is to separate which balls are made of plastic and which are made of glass. So sometimes to catch a glass ball of family, I dropped a plastic ball of work. I completed, I completed my bachelor's and then I worked as a data consultant for three years. I was doing something, I was earning good money, but I was not becoming a leader, I was just becoming an analyst. So I didn't want to stop there. And that was the moment where I actually wanted to pursue my MBA so that I can develop my managerial skills to become a leader. I had the wonderful opportunity to talk to Dr. Jill Green and I received the Woman in Business full scholarship and I joined Kerry. After joining Kerry, I, I have to say that it changed my life. I have built amazing connections through past years. I have amazing professors, amazing peers, amazing Kerry family, and everyone today, you are here for me, so I'm happy. <laughs> I have to say that I came to the U.S. with a motive to build, become a successful woman leader and build a comfortable life for my sister alone. But now, I think that I couldn't change her past, but I could build for what's next for people like her. I could build a comfortable life for them. I really wanted to see a change in the society, but now I believe I could become the change. Today, I was very nervous because I have never shared my sister's story to anybody. Not a lot of people know about it because it's too personal. And I always thought that, oh my God, I don't want to cry. But I really thought that it's so important for me to tell the story right now so that I can inspire young women, people with disabilities, people who are stopped by their societies. I feel that I have never seen Nepalese women around me in business world or even in my Kerry Business School. Maybe it's the society that's stopping them from you know, um, achieving greater heights. But I hope that one day my story can be heard by millions of women out there so that they believe in themselves. I believe that if girls and women have the determination to do something, society, politics, families, work, health, nothing could stop them. So I'm Tishala and this was my story. Thank you so much. Yeah, so both these women basically say in their stories, there's a moment in which something happens that's incredibly stressful and all they want is a hug. Mm -hmm. All they want yes. is like the familiarity of home. But they, each of them like, took uh, such a bold choice at such a young age to go to an entirely different country for, you know, for their own edification and just knowing that they needed to, to, to make this step in order to have bigger lives mm -hmm. um, and just how absolutely brave they are but also and I, I think what I love about these stories especially is how willing they're both at this point to share the fear that has been inside of them for so long yeah and just that physical longing for a hug which is you know yeah that's so relatable yeah yeah 
And uh, I also just really love the part in Trishala's story where she's talking about, you know, wanting to come into the huge, um, you know, uh, seminar room with yeah. where she thought it was a movie theater. Yeah. She's so used to small class sizes in Nepal and asking permission from the professor. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. She's lovely. Lovely. Both women are lovely. Okay, thanks for listening. Uh, we want to thank you for supporting The Stoop. We have a ton of stories on our podcast. We have upcoming shows. Um, we could not be doing this podcast without our incredibly, wonderfully smart and patient producer, Maureen Harvey, um, and with the support of WYPR. Yeah, and visit us at stoopstorytelling.com, and we will be back soon with more stories from The Stoop. Lifting you up, lifting you up.